And so I thought tonight that we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, get on the offensive. And we're going to declare war on sickness tonight. Are you ready? Now, interesting thing as we approach this subject, a very important thing to understand is that when Jesus died on the cross, when his body was beaten and broken and had stripes laid on his back, and everything that he endured for us, uh, the, 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 the anguish of his body, the anguish of his soul, Jesus was under such immense pressure that the scripture says he actually sweat, as it were, drops of blood when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. How many of you ever read that in the Bible before? That's such a, an, an immense pressure that he was under because nobody, and I do mean nobody, experienced what Jesus experienced on our behalf. Nobody experienced anything close to it. But I'm so glad that he did. And when he did experience that, the sufferings of Christ were not just to forgive our sins. And thank God that was the biggest problem we had because that's the root, that's the mother of every other problem is the sin problem. Sin, which was allowed into the world, and death came by sin. So that means spiritual death, which is separation from God, came into the world through sin. But also along with that is every other nasty, evil thing that would come along with that. The idea of poverty being in the world came in along with that. The idea of uh, of uh, sickness came into the world at that very same time. All the nasty side effects of sin came into the world at that very moment when Adam and Eve fell. And even though it didn't necessarily show up right away, it's interesting, God said, in the day you eat thereof, you will die. There's a translation of that, it's the Young's Literal Translation, which actually says that in dying you will die. Which means you will have an immediate death, followed up by a, a death that happens later, an immediate spiritual death, which will be followed years later by a physical death, which will be followed up if you do not repent and put your faith in the Lord by something that the book of Revelation calls the second death. There's, there's hope for spiritual death. His name is Jesus. There's hope for physical death. Thank God that those who die in Christ are, are raised up first, and then those who are alive and remain are caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so will ever be with the Lord. But for the second death, there is no remedy. Once somebody tastes of the second death, which is being cast into the lake of fire, there, there is no, there, there's no way out of that. But thank God, before you ever get to that point, there is salvation available to you. 
to redeem you from spiritual death. But not just to redeem you from spiritual death, this redemption also includes the side effects that came along with it. How many of you have ever seen (laughs) uh, commercials about new medicine that's coming out? And you hear about all the great things it can do. And then you get to the end where the guy starts talking fast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, then, you know, uh, you, you hear the side effects. And, of course, somebody who's just thinking totally from a natural standpoint said, I'd rather just keep what I got than get that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the side effects of sin are pretty nasty. Sickness. Ain't nothing cute about it. Ain't nothing nice about it. Ain't nothing holy and religious about it. Which is something that in some ways we need to renew our mind to. Because we've been used to thinking of someone suffering sickness and we think, oh, they're, 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 they're suffering so patiently for the Lord. And here's the thing. It is good to react the right way when you're in trouble. It is good to respond the right way to the Lord and not to, to, to blame the Lord in an unjust way or speak foolishly against the Lord in a case like that. However, that is not the plan of God for His people to suffer under either sin itself or the sin side effects that came into the world with sin. And I want you to know that Jesus' sacrifice, his work of redemption, is good not just to take care of the sin, but to take care of the sickness as well. That's why the scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's why Peter Looking back, Isaiah said, we are healed, looking forward to it. Peter, looking back to it, after Jesus had already come and paid the price, said in 1 Peter 2.24, that himself, who bore our sins in his own body, and that we being dead to sins, should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And I want to talk to you tonight about three ways that we can declare war on sickness. Number one, God's Word. Number two, God's strength. And number three, I want to look at God's promise of long life. Is anybody interested in this tonight? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and dig in. First of all, let me tell you this. Why would Satan be interested in getting a member of the body of Christ sick. I think there's a very clear reason. And I like to put it like this. Satan would have an interest in getting you out of commission for the sake of keeping you out of the Great Commission. (laughs) Satan would want to get you out of commission for the sake of keeping you out of the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? It's the last commands Jesus gave before he ascended up to heaven when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
So if you're laid up and sidetracked, you are hindered from being able to do the thing that the Lord wants you to do. That is not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Now, here's the thing. If, if you're laying up getting rest because you need some rest, it's, rest is thoroughly scriptural. Jesus himself slept in the boat. You know what I mean? Jesus, as the God-man, rested. There's nothing wrong with rest. But I'm talking about you being unnecessarily and unduly sidetracked by uh, sickness and disease coming against you that would knock you out of the race, limit your race, try to hinder you from running your race. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 4. Let's talk about God's Word first as the number one weapon in the war on sickness. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Daughters too. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The word health is a Hebrew word that literally means medicine. Can you say God's medicine? So God said that His words are life to those that find them and medicine to all their flesh. But medicine only works if you take it. And praise God, you can take this every chance you get, day and night. You can't OD on the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Thank the Lord. As a matter of fact, we are told in Scripture to go ahead and eat up the book, devour the book. What did Jesus say? And he was quoting Deuteronomy when he was being tempted by the devil and responded to him and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How do you live? You don't live by bread alone. You don't live on omelets alone. You don't live on broccoli and chicken alone. You live on the word of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah made this statement in his book in the 15th chapter. He said, your words were found and I did eat them. Do you know that in the same way that food is strength for your body, that the, the word of God is strength and nourishment for your spirit? And. We're going to see a little bit later that there is a direct connection between the strength of your spirit and the strength of your body. (laughs) That's a little teaser. I won't go in there now. We'll go there later. Let's talk a little bit more about this word of God, this word that's life and medicine to our flesh. John 6, verse 63, Jesus said, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When you are getting the Word of God inside of you, what are you getting inside of you? Life. 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 All right? Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. 
What's in the word for you? Healing and deliverance from destruction. Say that with me. What's in the word for me? And deliverance from destruction. Healing and deliverance from destruction. Matthew 8, we're going to read verse 8, but before we read it, I want to set this background. This is the way that this centurion soldier, this Roman soldier, the centurion who had a, a, a servant of his who was sick, he came to Jesus. And what he was asking of Jesus, Jesus volunteered to go to his house and listen to his response after Jesus volunteered to go to the guy's house. Matthew 8 verse 8 says, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. There is enough potency, enough power in one word of Jesus to heal somebody. You don't even need a whole chapter. You don't even need a whole book. One word, one statement. Think about this. A leper came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm willing. Be clean. That was it. And there was enough power in that to cleanse that leper. See, I say this to point out to us, we really don't know what we got yet. I pray may we be ever awakened to realize what we've got. Your gun has loaded somebody. You have amazing things at your disposal. And how sad it would be to live like a, a pauper with a millionaire's bank account. I'm going to wave at you tonight. I want you to get that. We mentioned Matthew 8, that Roman centurion. Later on in the same chapter, it says that Jesus was casting out spirits with a word. Psalm 119, verse 50. I love this. This is comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Someone say that. Your word has given me life. Right there in that same chapter, Psalm 119, but verse 25 in the Amplified Classic, it says, My earthly life cleaves to the dust. Revive and stimulate me according to your word. The old King James says, Quicken me according to your word. But look at that. Revive and stimulate me according to your word. You got something that's not working the way it used to work? Talk to it and tell it to be revived and stimulated. Say, talk to it, Pastor Ray. What are you talking about? Talk to it. Well, if we realize that the same word that God speaks and it carries power, when you speak the word of God in faith, 
It carries power when you say it too. You can speak the word of God with faith. And it will carry the same power as when God himself says it. And produce the same results as when God himself said that. That has to be true. That has to be true. I said that has to be true. Because Jesus himself said that the works that I do, you do also. And even greater than these because I go to the Father. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful. Hey, living and powerful. We're not talking about something that is lackluster or something that uh, lacks power or something that is just la di da di da di da put you to sleep. If, if you're not excited about the Word yet, you really ain't got it yet. You need to stay in there till the fire gets lit, till you start seeing things. And you say... You know, when, when somebody gets and they start connecting the dots and they, you can't set them up, they want to talk about it. They want to tell somebody about it. When somebody really gets turned on to the Word, it's called by Paul in his prayer for the Ephesians, it's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. When you start seeing stuff and it's jumping off the page at you and popping you right in the head and you say, whoa! I got to tell somebody, did you know that? Did you see that? Go to some seasoned saint, and they're so excited about it, and say, did you see that? And this, and this, and this. And they say, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And of course, that seasoned saint quickly gets a lesson. They realize they're not as excited about it as they used to be. Hold on to your excitement. Don't let it go. Hey, there's a good lesson right there. Keep your excitement about the Word. Keep your excitement. You, you know what? You, you don't be childish, but you be childlike. See that? See, if you're childish, then you're not being mature. But you can be childlike, which means that the same excitement you had in the early days is the same excitement that you're always keeping stirred up, stirred up, stirred up, stirred up. Keep it stirred up. It's called not leaving your first love. Or as someone else put it, it's called dancing with the one who brung you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of y'all thought, what? All right. God's Word, one of the greatest weapons we've got in this war on sickness. What about the strength of God? Well, well, well. Proverbs 18:14. Now I told you, and we're going to look at this in the Amplified Classic, but I told you that there's a direct connection between the strength of a person's spirit and the strength of a person's body. Here it is. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? So notice that first part, the strong Spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. There is a direct connection between the condition of your spirit and the condition of your body. Strength in your spirit, strength of spirit is a very big deal 
when it comes to being strong in your body. You can't separate the two. And I'm not saying that a person who's strong in their spirit cannot be attacked in their body by the enemy because the enemy is always trying to attack somebody. But I want you to know there is a very big connection there between being strong in spirit and being strong in your body because if you're strong in your spirit, you can be sustained through a physical battle that you're going through. And Tori, are you back there tonight? I want to go ahead and switch one thing. A few verses down, I got 3 John verse 2. I want to do that one right now. 3 John verse 2, since we're talking about this connection between your inside and the outside. 3 John, only one little chapter to it, and verse 2. And uh, it's about four down. There it is. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So once again, the idea that you can have what's happening on the outside being a reflection of what's happening on the inside. That even if you're being attacked physically, if you're strong in spirit, you know what to do. You know what to say to that thing. You know how to deal with it and address it. And besides that, you also have, uh, uh, what, what, what's the word? The, the only word that I can think about it is, uh, think about it at the moment is antibodies. Hey, something that, that, that can help fight off something, a spiritual substance inside of you, spiritual strength inside of you that can actually help to fight off the, the, the physical thing that's trying to attack you. Glory to God. Do you think that it's possible for you to be strong in spirit? Is, is that like way out there and hard to attain? How can you be strong in spirit? How can you be strong internally, which will have a very good effect on you internally and externally and eternally? Praise the Lord. That was for you, Gary. You know, man. This is how you feed yourself on the Word. You exercise the Word. Eating and exercise. Wow, sounds familiar. Oh, Lord. Eating and exercise. So you eat in the Word of God, and you're exercising the Word of God. One of the best ways to exercise the Word of God, you know, it's called doing the Word of God on purpose. It's called praying for somebody you don't like on purpose. It's called walking in love with somebody on purpose because they need it. Because they're boneheaded and they really need God. So you've you got to walk in love with them. I didn't say that, did I? Yes, I did. Now, think about this. How important, how valuable it is. For us, to, and, and it's as simple as James chapter 1, you're being a hearer of the word, you're taking it into you, but you're being a doer of it too. It's eating and exercise, eating and exercise. Produces spiritual strength. That spiritual strength has an effect not just on your spiritual condition, but on your physical condition. 
Because here's the thing. It takes spiritual strength to fight off a physical sickness. You realize that? Because if you're going to go ahead and stand in faith, you need to have some. But hey, what a heavy revy that was. If you're going to stand in faith, you've got to have some. How does faith come? Hearing the word. Faith without works is dead. That's the exercise part. Isn't that right? So you're feeding it and you're exercising. Eating and exercise. Eating and exercise. Building up your spiritual muscles. And it's easier when you've been working out spiritually in some other areas where now when a physical sickness or disease tries to attack your body, you've got a little extra strength. You've got a little extra juice in the tank because you've already been exercising. Otherwise, if we're not regularly exercising and wait for the big thing to come, and then when the big thing's to come, then you're all in a hurry trying to get ready to fight it. You know what that's called? That's called pouring cement in the storm. That, that saying, you, you got started too late. But I don't want to get started late. I want to have a regular practice every day of being a person who puts the word inside of me and, and lives it, does it, acts it out. Eating and exercise, eating and exercise all the time, so then you're spiritually strong enough to knock out a physical sickness or disease that would have tried to attach itself to your body. And they can be stubborn. They may say, no, I don't want to go. But you know what you say? You say, I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus do when he went into the temple? It said he cast out the money changers. And right after that, you know what it says? It says the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Which tells me this, that the cleansing of the temple, when Jesus cleansed the temple, and if you look in your Bible, you know that they often have those little highlights or headlines. It says, Jesus cleanses the temple. And, you know, most of the time we just think about the, 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 uh, the money changers. But really what happened is twofold. That Jesus, when he cleansed the temple, I don't believe it's in John's gospel, but, it, but it's in some of the other gospels. Uh, that, that it's twofold, that, that he not just threw the sin out, he threw the sickness out too. So what about your temple? Glory to God, we can do the same. Just like Jesus. Throw out the sin, keep out the sin, no sin allowed, this is a holy place. And we're throwing out sickness too. You know why? Because, think about this. Oh, Lord, we we just got to go there. Give me a minute. See, we need to just break the idea that there's some special mystical way that sickness is holy or pious or anything like that. In the Old Testament, a sacrifice that was brought to the Lord could not have any 
physical malfunction to it. Isn't that right? No blemish. Nothing wrong with it. Because any defect in there was called unacceptable to the Lord. Now, how is it that those sicknesses and defects could be unacceptable to the Lord, and yet somehow that we think that as we're presenting our body a living sacrifice, that somehow now it's acceptable and, and pleasing to the Lord? No, it's not pleasing to the Lord. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. Jesus paid a very high price to redeem us totally from spiritual death, from sickness, from poverty, from all the, from the root of sin and the side effects of sin. Glory to God. There, I got that out of my system. All right, now we can keep going. Psalm 105. We're talking about God's strength here. Psalm 105, 36 and 37. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land. Talking about uh, the Egyptians. The first of all their strength. Verse 37. He also brought them out, the Israelites, out of Egypt with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among his tribes. None feeble. None, what's feeble, weak, frail, sickly. None feeble. Hallelujah. Now, if they weren't weak, what were they? They were strong. All right, go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So once again, the idea that there's strengthening. Verse 12 says there's strengthening for the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, which tells us this, that, that anything that's, that's feeble, the opposite of feeble is strength. Strength changes what's feeble to being strong instead of weak. Uh, uh, what's the word? Potent. As opposed to being impotent. Anybody know what I'm saying? The strength of God. What can the strength of God do? Listen to this. This is Acts 3. How many of you ever remember the, the guy, at the, the lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3? Right after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John walking in. And they saw him and Peter said, hey, look at us. He said, let me get your attention for a minute. Verse 6, Acts 3, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I, do, I, 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 what, I, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Woo! His feet and his ankle bones received strength. And what did he start doing? So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So you see this guy who had just been sitting there for years and years and years, and then you go to church one day and you see him doing this. Say, so what's up with him? His feet and his ankle bones received strength. Did you hear that? When you receive strength in your body, and what was that strength? That's the thing that Peter said he had. He said, I don't have any chains on me today, but I'm going to give you what I've got. Peter gave him what he got which was a command in the name of Jesus to get up and walk, and it said his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Which means what Peter had was the ability for this man to receive strength that would empower his weakness, that would therefore enable him to do something he couldn't do before. Praise the Lord, somebody. And if we get that and understand that, we realize that we have the same thing Peter had. We've got the same name that Peter had. And we can expect the same results that Peter had. And if we don't get the same results that Peter had, it's not time to look at the Lord and say, All right, Lord, what's wrong with you? Why ain't you working? If we're not getting... Book of Acts results. If we're not getting uh, uh, Mark 16 confirming the word with signs following results, what we need to do is take a look at us and say, Lord, where are we missing it? Because I've got to tell you, if God is God, and He is, He ain't missing it. He ain't never missed it. Not missing it now, and not ever going to miss it. You may, not under, you may not understand everything, and neither do I. But we can never point at God and say, God, you're missing it somewhere. Because he's not missing it. I'm going lots of different places tonight, but it's all right. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's look at several of these. Psalm 18:32. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. 29:11 of Psalms. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now check this one out. This is Psalm 41. And a promise that God makes to the one who considers the poor. That has to do with good health and strength. Listen to this. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he'll be blessed on the earth. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him. On his bed of illness, you will sustain him 
on his sick bed. If you're on a bed of illness or on a sick bed and you get strengthened and sustained, you know what that means? That means you coming off the sick bed, baby. Praise the Lord. That means you just got some strength for your weakness. Some oomph where you lack your oomph. Some energy where you lacked energy. Something working where something wasn't working. Glory be to God. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 68 verse 28. The very first part says your God has commanded your strength. Somebody receive this tonight. Psalm 71, verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. And then this Psalm 84, this is wild. Psalm 84, the very beginning of verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And then verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Someone said, well, I read my Bible and I knew we're going from glory to glory. And then I read a little bit more and I found out we're going from faith to faith. But now I find out that we're not just going glory to glory and faith to faith. We're going from strength to strength. Glory to his holy name. This is yours. Available to you right now, here, tonight. Glory to God. You know, the scripture says that he gives power to the weak. (laughs) To those who have no might, he increases strength. Let's look at some strength declarations. You like strength declarations? I like declarations. As a matter of fact, one thing that, that if you develop the spiritual discipline of speaking the word over yourself, over your family, on a regular basis. This is big. This is so vital. Why do you have to say something? So you can get something. Because Jesus said that if you speak to a mountain and say, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. I didn't come up with that. Ain't no other 20th or 21st century preacher came up with that. Jesus said that. And it's the truth. And so how important it is for us as believers to have as a regular part of our spiritual discipline, as a regular part of our routine, to be able to speak the word of God over ourselves, over our spirit, soul, and body, over our families. Hallelujah. Now, look at these declarations. Joel chapter 3 and verse 10. We're looking at the second part of the verse. Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So let's do it. If you're feeling weak tonight, even if you're feeling strong tonight, let's say it. I am strong. 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 
And the more you say it, the more you feel it coming on. I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. Praise the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Now, what's connected to this? The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. See, that's all part of the same deal. Because the Lord being your strength and your song and your salvation... That means that there's the voice of rejoicing and salvation in your tent, in your house, in your dwelling. And that leads on to the fact that the right hand of the Lord is doing valiantly. It uses that term twice. The right hand of the Lord is doing valiantly because the Lord is your strength. When your valor goes to the ground, the Lord steps in as your helper, your strength, your source in the time of trouble. And what's he doing? He is doing valiantly. Valiantly on your behalf. And with the Lord is your strength. Are you saying, well, I guess it's all over. It was a nice run while it lasted. Is that what you say? No. When the Lord is your strength, it's like, well, you know, could have done a little bit more, but I guess we're going to have to settle for this. No, 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 no. When the Lord's your strength, when the Lord's operating valiantly on your behalf, you make this statement, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And if it helps you to do my hand motions, you go right ahead. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. That verse right there has saved people's lives. You know why? Not because they read it once. And not because they heard somebody else say it. But because they said it themselves and believed it themselves. And they saw the strength that comes from God... Come and effect the work in their body. And the Lord did valiantly on their behalf. Now, woo-wee. God's word, God's strength. Now we're going to hit this. God's promise of long life. You know why? Because i got to tell you, there's something inside of me. Mm. And I grip my teeth when I think about it. I will not be cheated out of my life. I will not be cheated out of my life. I will not go part of the way and not all the way to fulfilling all that God has put me on planet earth to do. And I got to tell you, I don't mind telling you a thing. Get ready for this.
I'm going to tell you that I, at 48 years young, before you this very night, this party is just getting started. I'm not thinking midlife, over the hill, going down the slope or anything like that. I got to tell you is that I've got fire in my belly like I'm just getting started. Glory to God forever. Glory to God. Long life. Long life. We ain't leaving till we're done. And this boy nowhere near done. Hallelujah. Now someone said, well, I thought the Bible says that everybody got an appointed time to die. And where people get that idea is from the book of Hebrews chapter 9 where it says it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. But that does not say that you have an appointed time to die. It just says that you're appointed to die once. Now, does God know when you're going to die? Yes, he knows, because he knows it all. But it's not possible for you to have an appointed time to die. And the reason why is because if that were true, then you would not be able to do anything that could shorten your days or lengthen your days. But the Bible says that there are some things that you can do that can cut your days short or some things that you can do that can lengthen your days. Hallelujah. So let's look at some of the things that the Bible clearly says. Can You know, if you do it wrong, it'll shorten your life, but if you do it right, it'll lengthen your life. One thing is over in 1 Corinthians 11, what the scripture says about properly discerning the Lord's body. Paul said, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. In verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep don't mean sleep. In that context, sleep means death, and specifically, premature death. Checking out early, dying too soon, for the reason of not discerning the Lord's body, which really is a twofold thing, discerning the Lord's body, understanding the fact that his body was, was broken for, for, for uh, uh, the, the healing of our bodies, but also understanding the other dimension of it, that the Lord's body is also a reference to the church. And that if I'm not loving my brother and my sister, my fellow members of the body of Christ, I am fighting against myself. That's like me taking one hand and beating the other hand. And so, if you do not properly discern the Lord's body, you can be weak, sick, and check out early. But what if you do? <laughs> then instead of being weak, you are strong. 
instead of being sick, you are healthy. And instead of checking out early, you hanging out here until the last deed is done. Praise the Lord. And in this case, the, the, the previous verse where it talks about drinking judgment to yourself. Well, when you do rightly discern the Lord's body, rather than drinking judgment to yourself, you're drinking blessing and mercy to yourself. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, 12 to 14. says, Who is the man who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? So if you want to uh, desire life and and be around to love many days and see good all those days, what do you got to do? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And this verse, that's not the only place you see it in the Bible. Peter quoted it also in First Peter 3, verse 10 and 11. So we see the idea of properly discerning the Lord's body and keeping your tongue, departing from evil, that these things have to do where if you do it right, it can lengthen your days. If you don't do it right, it can shorten your days. The Bible also talks about the importance of not forgetting the word, but hearing it and receiving it. Not forgetting the word, hearing it and receiving it. And we talked about the word already. You never get away from the word. I mean, the word is the cat's meow. It is where it's at all the time. Proverbs 3, 1 to 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Why? For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Does that make somebody want to get into the Word? Does that make somebody want your, your, your heart to keep His commands? Proverbs 4.10 Hear my son and receive my sayings. Not just hear them, but receive them. And the years of your life will be many. Glory to God. Wisdom and fear of the Lord. Other things that have a great impact here. Proverbs 9, 10, 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. By me, that's by wisdom, your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. Somebody want to walk in wisdom. So you can get the benefits of that wisdom. That's Proverbs 9 and Proverbs 10 and verse 27. The very next, uh, next verse in line is the fear of the Lord prolongs days. So you reverence the Lord and do things right before the Lord that prolongs days. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. You know, it sounds like that living for God is good for you, doesn't it? I love the verse that says that bodily exercise profits little. It does profit, for sure. But it profits a little bit. It only profits one part of you, not all the parts of you. But godliness is profitable to all things. That will profit every part of you, your spirit, soul, body, and your wallet too. Praise the Lord. 
But it says, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise both of the life that now is and that which is to come. It's not just good for you there. It's good for you here. Praise God. We're going to skip this verse for now. But don't forget Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, where it talks about children obeying your parents. Where it talks about honoring your parents. See, see, you big children out there, you may not be living at home, you know, obviously in a, in a situation where you're obeying your parents, but you never outgrow honoring them. But when you do that and you do it right, what happens? It'll be well with you and you'll live a long time on the earth. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. But since we're wrapping up here, I want to go to just a few more verses. We'll skip over Job. Go to Psalm 92. If you're taking notes, write down Job 5.26. That's just another log to throw in the fire. But Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Several other translations of that. Even when they are old, they still bear fruit. They're always healthy and fresh. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Someone say, I'm sappy. (laughs) Still they bring forth in old age. Fat and flourishing are they. Someone say, make sure that's spelled P-H-A-T. All right, praise the Lord. But you know, we're not going to talk about long life. And, and, and you see, I just want to machine gun fire you because I, I want you to realize that this is not just some little side issue in the Word. This is something that's mentioned a lot in the Word. And this is yours. But we can't talk about long life without talking about Psalm 91 and the last few verses. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory be to God. And why are we talking about declaring war on sickness tonight? Because we got jobs to do. Jobs that come from the head of the church designed for you as a member of his body. And i got to tell you, it is not his will for you in any way to be physically sidetracked or cut out early where you can't stand before him with the confidence that said, I did it all. You don't want to stand before him and say, oh, Lord, if only if only I was around a little bit longer, I could have done more. No, you want to be like David, who the scripture says in Acts 13, that he served his generation by the will of God, and then he fell asleep. 
He didn't fall asleep before he served his generation by the will of God. No, he served his generation and then he fell asleep. No, you won't be like Paul over in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7 where the, the last few words ever recorded that he wrote. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. But listen to what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. To stand before God and to be able to say those words to stand up on the last day of your life on planet earth and not have regrets about all the things I could have done and wish I did, but know to be able to stand and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. The thing I was here to do, I did it. The devil didn't stop me. Sickness didn't stop me. Nothing stopped me. And now, glory to God, I'm on to see Jesus and get my crown and receive my reward and cast that crown back before him. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God, for the deep impact that your word has on our lives. Glory to God. We believe this book. We receive this book. What we've heard tonight, this is God speaking to us. This is God's provision for us. And we absolutely believe it and receive it. Hallelujah. Well, I mentioned earlier the most important part of this deal is not that we've been saved from the side effects of sin, but we've been saved from sin and spiritual death to begin with. And if you're here tonight and you have never received the gift of God, the gift of eternal life, the gift of...